Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4. This is where we were last time. We're going to continue along that line. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. At least I hope we are. Yeah. <laughs> Freezes up sometimes. Okay, let me, uh, let me see if I can get out of this. I was just trying, yeah, I'm trying to get it out of the full screen at the yeah. moment. And Okay, let me see if it's going to. Yeah, okay, we'll see if maybe that will work. Might let me go back. Yeah. Might work this time. Okay. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So he says, we having the same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith is who? Well, the uh, heroes of faith in uh, Hebrews 11 gives a whole list of the great heroes of faith there and their uh, accomplishments and achievements in, by faith. The patriarchs of old. We have the same spirit of faith as the patriarchs of old. Abraham, uh, Joseph, Moses. Joshua, then we come right on up to Jesus himself, Peter, Paul. Uh, in the last session, we started talking about the spirit of faith. And uh, the spirit of faith is uh, a prevailing, uh, overcoming attitude and characteristic of faith. It's uh, the spirit of victory, and it's the opposite of defeat. Uh, this, when, when we're uh, in the spirit of faith, um, and when we're speaking in the spirit of faith, um, faith has a ring of victory to it. And we saw that here in um, 2 Corinthians 4, when he appeared in verse 8, where Paul said, We're troubled on every side, but not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. So he acknowledged the problems, he acknowledged the adversity, but he came back with, but we're not forsaken, we're not in despair, and so forth. So this is a spirit of faith he's talking about. Uh, he, he acknowledges a problem, but he doesn't stop there. He speaks the victory and says, we've got the victory. And he, you can hear this ring of victory and this overcoming attitude that he has, not succumbing to defeat and acknowledging the problems but not uh, sub submitting ourselves to them and, and to defeat. So let's say this together. The spirit of faith, the spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. 
So faith involves believing, but not just believing only. Uh, we talked about faith has to be expressed, it has to be released in order to affect change in the natural realm and in order to be active. So write this down. Faith is voice activated. Faith is voice activated. Now, unfortunately, the other side works as well. Fear is voice activated, and unbelief is voice activated as, as well. That's the negative side, but, but faith is voice activated. And this is what many Christians have uh, never been taught and never understood. But this one revelation alone would change people's lives if they just got hold of it. Uh, Roman, we looked at Romans 10.6, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. So faith doesn't just believe in your heart, it also speaks. It tells us here the righteousness which is of faith speaks. Uh, then he goes on in verse 6 and 7, uh, and he says, he tells us what faith would not say. Uh, Say not in thine heart, or faith would not say, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to, to bring Christ down from above. Faith would not say, Who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead again. So this, he said, this is an old English way of saying, that uh, faith would not say, Jesus, you've got to come down here physically on the earth, and you've got to fix this problem. You've got you to gotta come down here physically and you've got to touch me. You've got to come back physically and heal me. Um, faith would not say that. Faith wouldn't say, uh, you know, if Jesus would just come in here right now, I know that he would heal me or I know that he would uh, fix my situation. Faith would not say that. Then he goes on to say, but what does faith say? In verse uh, 8, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So faith would not say, Jesus, you have to physically be here uh, in order to heal me. Uh, no, faith, faith says, you don't need to come physically. I have the word. I have the word of God, and it's as close to me as in my mouth and in my heart. You don't have to come down here physically and fix anything. I got the word in my mouth and in my heart, and that's enough. That's what the righteousness, which is a faith, says. It speaks the word of God. And the word of God is near me. The promise is near me, and it's as close as in my mouth and in my heart. And this is saying the word of God is just as powerful in itself when it is spoken as Jesus was when he walked the earth. It's just as powerful as Jesus when he walked the earth. And it's as close to us now as in our heart and in our mouth. We don't need Jesus to come back down here and do something. He's already done something. Amen. He's already uh, des destroyed the works of the enemy. But and now we have his word and we can... Speak, speak it. Amen? We can speak it. Yeah. Have dominion. So 
God sent his word and healed them, whether it was through Jesus physically when he was on the earth or in his promises now that we have in the new covenant. So faith is in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when you were born again, you didn't just believe in your heart. You also confessed with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you believe he's been raised from the dead. You didn't just believe it, you also confessed it unto the new birth. So this is not just a principle uh, that enables us to be born again, which it is. This is the way we all got born again. But it's not limited to that. And many people just read this verse and, and say, oh yeah, that's, that's how we lead people to the Lord and this is how we all come to Jesus. But uh, this is uh, also a principle for everyday life. This is the way we possess the promises of God by the same principle, believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. This is the way we appropriate the promises of God and we possess the promises of God. If we want deliverance and restoration and preservation and healing and soundness, we have to get our mouths in motion. We have to get our mouth in motion. And this is what many Christians have not understood. They say, you know, yeah, I believe in my heart, but they're not saying anything, you know. Or they're saying the wrong things. That's... that's the crux of it. They're, they're saying the wrong things. So we mentioned these words that occur over and over and over in these several verses that we looked at here. Heart, mouth, faith, believe, confess. All these words are connected here in these scriptures and this, this is the way we release our faith and we express our faith. Believing and speaking, believing and speaking. You see these uh, words and variations of these words uh, occurring over and over in these scriptures. Let's say this together. I don't just believe. I also speak. Amen. So we looked at uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So if you can see it, if it's something in the natural that you can see, it's temporary and it's subject to change. Now we mentioned these uh, words, look not, while we look not at the things which are seen, the word look not there uh, doesn't mean ignore. We don't ignore what we're seeing, but it means don't keep looking at it. Don't just get fixated and focused well, on... It to me in the Greek, the word not is actually not there. It says while we look at the things which are seen, 
they're saying actually the word not is not in the Greek. I don't know, I hadn't studied that out. Uh, because they said Abraham looked at his body, but he... He considered it not, yeah, yeah. yeah. He considered it, but he didn't... Yeah. Okay, I'll have to look that up. That's, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so either way, uh, we're not denying. Yeah, de Abraham didn't deny his age, and he didn't deny that uh, in the natural, they were too old to ever have children. But yeah, Romans 4 says that he considered not his own body, now dead. Uh, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, but became fully persuaded. So, and we talked about how he, how God uh, brought him through this process where he was able to be, to not consider his body and become fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. Um, so, um, if, if we, it says, um, we, we don't ignore the things that are seen, but we're not focused on them and we're not fixated on them because as long as we uh, just look at what's in the natural and what we see and what we hear and what we feel we're not doing anything to change it and that's what we want to do if it's something contrary to the word of God we want to change it so it says while we look at the things which are not seen so how do you look at things that are not seen through the eye of faith, uh, with, in your mind's eye, your imagination. You begin to see yourself having it. You begin to see this situation changing. Um, I think, Nancy, you said you had a photo of Matt when he was small or something yeah. that you put on your phone. Uh, so you begin to get uh, through the eye of faith, you can begin to see what you're believing, what we're all believing for with Ben. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's one way of developing the eye of faith, and you begin to, to fix your eyes on the end result. Amen? Hallelujah. So this is how we, we look at things that are, that are not seen. We speak to things that are seen, that are, we speak to things that are not seen in order to change what is seen. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We talked about walking by faith means that we are speaking to things that are not seen, but we're calling them as if they already existed. We're speaking to things not seen, but we're calling it as though it already existed. Now, um, write this down. Faith will change facts. Yes. It may be a fact that we've got this situation or this, uh, you know, these circumstances. We're not denying it. It may be a fact, but faith can change facts. Romans 4.17 in the Amplified Classic brings this out. Uh, God speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. So, God speaks of things that are not seen and considers them as if 
they already existed. So that's what we do when we walk by faith. Walking by sight means that you talk about things you see and you're focused on that, but it's not doing anything to change it. Uh, we talked about the negative side of associating with people who uh, have a spirit of heaviness or depression and, uh, or a spirit of poverty or fear and how it can hinder and undermine your faith. We talked about the importance of associating with people with the spirit of faith because that's going to influence you. And then when you catch the spirit of faith, then other people get around you and you begin to bring them up. Amen? So that's, that's the idea. That's the vision. Now, um, Hebrews 3 verse 1. This is a New King James Version. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, the word apostle just means a, one who sent, a sent one, or one commissioned for a particular task or role. You could say a representative or maybe an ambassador, something like that. So as, as, apostle, as an apostle, Jesus represents, uh, Jesus is God's representative to us. God, Jesus represents God to us. As a high priest, Jesus is our representative before God. Jesus represents us before the throne of God. So he's apostle and high priest. Now, last time I mentioned this earth-heaven connection, and I want to look at a few scriptures to support that. And what this is saying, when that Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession, when we speak in line with God's word, and we speak in agreement with God's word, Jesus backs it up in heaven. Jesus backs up what we say on the earth. And he says, yeah, they're in agreement with us. They're speaking on earth in agreement with us, and we're going to back it up from heaven, what, what they're saying. Amen? Because it's in agreement with the word. Now, if we speak contrary to the word, can Jesus back that up? No. He can't. If we're speaking negative or defeat or, you know, uh, woe is me, whatever, those, that's not something that Jesus can back up in heaven. So that's why it's important that we speak in agreement with the word of God. Um, Matthew 16, 19 is one of these scriptures that shows us this earth heaven connection. Gee, this is, these are the words of Jesus. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we see uh, this earth heaven connection and it's connected by words. Earth and heaven are connected by words. Now Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, keys represent authority. If you have the keys to the Holiday Inn, you can get in the front door up here. But that's as far as you can go. But if you have the keys of the Holiday Inn, you can not only get in the front door, you can not only unlock the front door, you can go in the Holiday Inn and you got the key to every room in this building. And you can go in and out, you can lock and unlock every room in this building if you have the keys of the Holiday Inn. Jesus says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you lock up on earth is locked up in heaven, and whatever you uh, unlock on earth is unlocked in heaven. Now, the King James uses the word bind and loose. It uses the word bind and loose. Now, today we would probably say tie or untie. We probably wouldn't say bind or loose. We'd say tie it up or untie it. Uh, but it's these words, bind and loose, are talking about permitting something or forbidding something. They have to do with for, forbidding something or permitting something. The Amplified says, I will give you the keys, authority of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, will have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth, will have already been loosed in heaven. So whatever is unlawful or contrary to God's word is already bound in heaven. And whatever is lawful or in agreement with God's word is already loosed in heaven. But nothing happens until we say something on this earth. Amen? Nothing's going to happen on this earth till we say something, even though it's already been bound in heaven or it's already been loosed in heaven. In order for something to happen down here, we got to say something. Amen? We either got to bind it or we got to loose it. Jesus says that words uh, that activate change start on the earth first. Again, this tells us faith is voice activated. Now there's a popular doctrine in many Christian circles and it has to do with the sovereignty of God. Uh, and it says basically that God acts independently of man. God just, you know, God is God. Uh, he can do whatever he wants to do and uh, we just, uh, you know, if something happens, it must be God's will. If something doesn't happen, it must be God's will. And we just accept it as God's will, even if it's death or defeat or sickness or disease or all the, the works of the devil, just accept it as the mysterious will of God and submit to it. Now, this is what this, this doctrine says. This is a lie from hell. And it's a faith-destroying doctrine, and it's responsible for the defeat of many Christians. Jesus is saying exactly the opposite here. 
He's saying exactly the opposite here. He says, whatever, whatever, there's that word again, whatever you bind where? On earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you lose, where? Is then loosed in heaven. So many people have this backward. They think God releases something in heaven and then it changes down here. They got it backward. But, but uh, Jesus mentions the earth first. He says what you forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven and what you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. So it's not all up to God. You know, this is so obvious. It's not all up to God. Uh, he says something is released on earth first in order to change it, and heaven will back it up. Now, this is so obvious in Genesis chapter 1, you know, where the very first thing God gave man in Genesis 1 is authority and dominion over this planet. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, everything that crawls, flies, swims. God says, I have given you authority. Take dominion over the earth. Now, this is not a picture of man as a passive bystander, is it? No. no. This is not a picture of man as a passive bystander. We do something on earth first in faith. Then God backs it up. So, how do we bind or lock up things? How do we loose or unlock things? We exercise authority. We take dominion on the earth with words. Words of faith. This is how we bind and loose. This is how we take authority and exercise authority. We're not going to turn there, but you can write down Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17 says we are to rule and reign as kings in life. We are to rule and reign as kings in life. And it means this life. Yes. Now, uh, yes, we will rule and reign with Jesus after this life. And, uh, uh, you know, we are uh, in training. We're in training right now to... to uh, uh, rule and reign over these little kind of insignificant things here, temporary. We're just dealing with temporary things here, but we're training for ruling and reigning after this life. But we're supposed to be ruling and reigning in this life. Uh, so if we rule and reign as kings in this life, how do kings reign? They decree something, don't they? They just decree something. If they want a road built, they don't leave the palace and go get out on the machinery and start moving dirt around. They just say, let the road be built. I want a road built. And that releases all the resources and all the personnel for people to go to work and start getting the machinery out and moving the dirt. The, the king doesn't have to physically go out and build a road. He just decrees, I want a road built. Amen? Uh, Job 22.8 also establishes this. Thou shalt also a decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. 
So Jesus is the king of kings. So who, who are the kings that he's king over? Us. Amen. We're the kings he's king of and, and lord of. Revelation 1.6 says Jesus has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And we are supposed to be learning valuable lessons and principles right here and now that we are going to take with us after this life. So kings rule and reign with their words. So let's look at another example of this heaven-earth connection. Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever, there's that word again. Notice all the whosoevers and the whatsoevers. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. So what does Jesus mention first? He mentions earth first, doesn't he? Men on earth. Uh, the New Living Translation is going to bring this out. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. So this also establishes this earth-heaven connection, and it has to do with, uh, here he says acknowledges, but it has to do with confessing something. He says who in the King James Whoever shall confess me before men. Uh, that's man, that's us saying something on this earth. It has to do with confession or acknowledging. Uh, and he, where does he mention first? First, heaven or earth? Earth. If we, if we confess him publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge him before my Father, which is in heaven. So, through our confession of Jesus before men on earth, it activates Jesus to confess us before the Father. And he says, they belong to me. They're standing up for me. I'm going to intervene. I'm going to do what they said. You know, even in the, in the Old Testament, you know, uh, when God was going through the rigmarole with uh, the Israelites when they came out of uh, Egypt and they went through this complaining and murmuring phases and uh, you know in the, in the wilderness and all God finally got so fed up with it he said I'm going to do exactly what you said I'm going to do it to you exactly what you said you kept been saying out here over and over and over we are going to die out here in the wilderness he says that's exactly what's going to happen to you I'm going to give it to you exactly what you have said and they did. They decreed a thing, and God said, okay, you can have your way. I'll, I'll do exactly <coughs> what you said. So, again, you, we saw a heaven and earth connection even back there in the Old Testament. So we initiate something on earth first, and Jesus backs it up. Another scripture that gives us an earth-heaven connection. <coughs> also I say unto you, whosoever, there's a word again, Whosoever shall confess, there's a word, we're, we're, we're confessing something here on earth, me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. Now, this is very exciting. Now we get the angels involved. Amen? 
Now we're getting angels involved. This is exciting. Hallelujah. The new living says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, he mentions earth first, then the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. So again, through our confession of Jesus before men on the earth, uh, we initiated on it on earth, heaven empowers and backs it up. Uh, so through this heaven-earth connection, now we got the angels working for us. Or if we if we're saying the wrong thing, they're not working for us. But today we're talking about them working for us through this earth heaven connection, that if we acknowledge Jesus publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will acknowledge him in the presence of God's angels. So, amen, now we got angels working for us. Uh, Psalm 103.20, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So when we are speaking in line with God's word and we're saying what God says, the angels hearken to that and they go to work for us behind the scenes yes. on our behalf. Amen? I mean, I have seen this happen so many times, I, I know in my life, uh, you know, especially situations that really look difficult. I mean, all of a sudden something just changed and man, you know, I knew the angels had, had done something, you know. Hallelujah. Uh, and God, God can put angels, you know, in places uh, in the form of a human or however they, they work, you know, to get his job done. How, or, or to just to help people that are in trouble and things like that. We've all heard testimonies about people who were stuck somewhere or in danger, and all of a sudden, some nice person just out of nowhere turned up and helped them, you know. Uh, I, I believe that's, you know, I believe that's angels getting involved. Uh, we saw in Genesis 1.26 that God created us in his likeness and image, and that word image means a mold or a template. God's a spirit, we are a spirit. We're created in his mold or his image which includes the power of intelligent speech and a free will. And in the same way God uses words to create and effect change, we have been given the same ability and the same authority. Now let's, um, let's turn to Mark 11. Let's turn to Mark 11. And uh, verse, about verse 14, uh, this is, you know, they had been to Jerusalem, they went to Bethany, uh, and then they were going from Bethany back to Jerusalem. Uh, uh, seeing Jesus seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And in verse 14, Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. 
verse 20. Now this is the next morning, and they're passing by this tree again. And in the morning, 24 hours later, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Verse 21, And Peter calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree, which thou cursest, is withered away. So the disciples were shocked. When they came back by that tree again the next morning, they were shocked that it had withered up so quickly when Jesus spoke to it. Now, you notice Jesus did not say, Yeah, I'm the Son of God. I can do this. But, uh, you know, this is out of your league, so don't try. No, Jesus did not say that. He said just the opposite. He said just the opposite. Verse 22, Jesus answered when they marveled and said, Wow, look at that tree. It, when you spoke to it, it, it withered up just like you said. Jesus said, have faith in God. The Geneva Bible says, have the faith of God. So we have the faith of God. Romans 12, 3 says, God has dealt to every born-again man the measure of faith. We have the same quality uh, of faith, the same kind of faith, the same spirit of faith that Jesus has. We just need to open our mouth and release it. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, now underline that phrase, whosoever shall say. It's not just whosoever, but it's whosoever shall say. Unto this mountain, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Believe what? Whosoever shall say, doubt not in his heart, but believe. Believe what? Believe Jesus is the Son of God? Well, that's true, but that's not what he's talking about here. You know, believe, um, you know, that God can do these things? Yes, but that's not what he's talking about here. Believe what he says comes to pass. That's what he said, believe. Believe what he says comes to pass. Not just believe in what you say to the fig tree. Not just believe in what you say to the mountain. Not just believe in what you say to the problem or the circumstance. But believe that everything you say comes to pass. Believe everything you say will come to pass. And it's learning to release faith and every word that we speak. This is what Jesus is talking about here. Not just what you say to the problem. Release faith in every word that you say. Believe uh, it's what you say day after day after day after day. And you believe that comes to pass. That's what we're talking about. You believe what you say comes to pass day after day after day after day. And this is how you learn to release faith in every word. You do it by speaking only what you desire to come to pass. This is how you develop faith in your words and how you release faith in everything you say. And then you get to the point where this problem comes up and you're going to speak to that thing. You know it's going to move. <laughs> 
You know it's going to change. Because you've been doing this every day. With, you release words with, you release faith in all of your words. You believe everything you say is going to come to pass. Amen. So you can see how and how Jesus developed this faith. You know, uh, this is what he did every day. He released faith in all of his words. He believed all of his words would come to pass. And then when he stood out in front of that tomb of Lazarus, he, he, he wasn't shaken. You know what I mean? He, was, he knew this is going to happen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So watch popular phrases like, that just blows my mind. You know, we hear people say stuff, that just blows my mind. Watch these throwaway phrases. You know, um, we don't want to release faith in those kinds of words. I've been um, training myself to stop saying, I just can't believe that. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm consciously aware of it before I even, I'm, before I say it now. I'm, I'm training myself to stop saying that. No, I can believe. I'm a believer. So, so I can either believe it is or I can believe it's not. But uh, I'm training myself to stop saying I just can't believe that because I want to be able to believe the impossible. Amen? And if I spend all my time saying I just can't believe they did that, then I'm undermining my faith and now I'm not believing everything I say comes to pass that I desire and all this. So we have to train ourselves. The devil has influenced our everyday speech to say things that, do, that we don't want to happen to keep us from releasing faith in everything that we say. This is a... a, a Deception of the devil. This is a way the devil has has operated and through the church and through Christians is to keep us from releasing faith in our words by getting us to say things that, that we don't want to come to pass. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Everything else proceeds from evil. So just say yes or no. <laughs> don't say that blows my mind or I just can't believe that. Hallelujah. Just say, yes, I believe it, or no, I don't believe it. Amen. Write this down. You can train yourself to only speak what you desire. Yes. You can train yourself to only speak what you desire. And that's what I, you know, and this is a process. We don't just jump there in three days, but, um, but it. You, you can do it. And then you get to the point where it's just your first nature. It's not your second nature. It's just your first nature to only say what you want to come to pass. And the Holy Spirit will bring this. If, if it pops out of your mouth, the Holy Spirit will immediately say, you know, is that really what you want? <laughs> you know? So, no, we, we call those words to the ground and we render them powerless, helpless, and ineffective. Now, in Matthew's account, oh, huh. Um, Matthew's account of this uh, is praying without ceasing. Oh, don't tell me it's stuck again. That's okay. I might not even have a slide on that. Um, let's turn to just back a few pages. Matthew 21. 
This is Matthew's account of the same story. Uh, Matthew's account, we're, we're just winding up here. Uh, Matthew 21 and 20, the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered up, and they, they marveled. How soon is the fig tree withered away? Uh, verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. So Jesus is saying just the opposite of this sovereignty doctrine that God just does everything and he gets up every morning and he just decides what he's going to do along the way. No, God has bound himself to his word. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? Uh, now, there are a couple of examples in the Old Testament where God said something's going to happen, and it didn't. Uh, for example, like he, he was going to judge Nineveh, you know, uh, and he told Jonah to go down there, I'm going to wipe them all out. Well, he didn't because they repented. Amen? So, so there are a couple of examples in the Old Testament when the people repented, God didn't do what he said he was going to do. But apart from that, God has bound himself to his word, and he's going to do uh, what, he's, what he said he's going to do. So that's what Jesus is saying. We're not passive bystanders down here. There's a heaven and earth connection, and what we bind on earth is first is then bound in heaven, and what we loose on earth is then loosed in heaven. The uh, contemporary e uh, English version says, uh, verse 21, But Jesus said to them, If you have faith and don't doubt, I promise that you can do what I did to this tree. Now Jesus is teaching them, you can do what I did. I didn't do this because I'm the Son of God. I didn't do this using any divine power. I did this as a man speaking words of faith, releasing faith in my words, believing that what I said would come to pass. Amen? And he said, I'm giving you authority to do the same thing, and I'm teaching you a lesson on how to do it. Amen? Hallelujah. So he says, you have the same spirit of faith I have. You have the same faith I have here. And the emphasis is on you. If you have faith, you can do what I did to this tree. So Jesus believed in his heart that uh, what he said would happen, and then he said it, and he expected it to happen. And it did happen. The same next day they came by, something had happened. 24 hours later, it, it did happen, exactly like he said. Notice Jesus did not pray to God to move the mountain or to dry up the fig tree. It's what he said to it. He was human. Mm. Baptized in the Holy Spirit with oh, yes. releasing faith in his words. And he says, you can do what I did to this fig tree. Now, folks, this is liberating. Amen? You don't hear this in most churches. 
You don't hear this in most churches. Uh, why? Who do you think's behind this? The devil does not want us to find out that we can release faith in every word that we say. Yeah. But if we're speaking the wrong thing, that's where he gets the advantage. The devil wants us to be quiet. He does not want you speaking faith-filled words that are going to change things. And this is, we've got, he's got people locked up in churches, just being quiet, just being submissive and passive to everything that comes along that the devil does. Well, maybe it's the will of God and, and God's teaching us something and we just accept it. It's the mysterious will of God. This is a faith-destroying doctrine. And it's, it's defeating many, many people who love God and are going to heaven, but they're defeated here on the earth. The devil wants us to just accept things the way they are. Uh, we've all had a mountain or a situation that we knew was not God's will that harasses us. And religious tradition has just taught people to beg God into doing something. Just beg God into doing something. Uh, and if he does it, it must be his will. And if he doesn't do it, it must not be his will. What Jesus, what this, everything we said here this morning is absolutely contrary to that. It's absolutely opposite to that. Believing is not begging. And religion makes beggars out of people. And, and faith makes a believer out of you. Amen? And if more people were hearing this, they'd go from begging to believing. Amen? Hallelujah. So faith makes you a ruler and a reigner in life. Let's say this together. I rule in life with faith-filled words. Faith will change the facts. I act like my master. And I decree and I command and good things happen. Amen. Amen.